We're going to turn to the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. And we're just going to focus in on one sentence. Um, The first verse of Proverbs chapter 15. Let me just read it to you. And then we're going to think about this together. And hopefully over the course of this next little while, we'll really get to grips with these words. It says this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Why don't we pray? Let's ask for God's help. And then we're going to dig into this together. Father, please would you help us now? We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your help. We pray your spirit would um, enable us to understand what your word means and how it applies to us. Please help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about words. Um, And words are powerful. Okay, we use words all the time. You've been using words today. We've been using words today. All sorts of words that pour out of our mouth. And words are powerful to change the world. We've got to understand that. Our words words have the power to change the world. They're not neutral. It's not like our words um, are not that big a deal, inconsequential. Actually, our words have power. They have the power to change someone's day. You know that, don't you? What you say can change someone's day. You could encourage them or crush them, build them up or tear them down, heal them or harm them. You could change someone's day. In fact, not just change someone's day, you could change someone's year, change even someone's life by the words that you say. I guess all of us sitting in this room can think of words that have been said to us or words that have been spoken over us or things that have been said that have deeply impacted us. Maybe things that were positive and helpful and good, or things that were harmful and hurtful that we still carry around with us, they still are very raw to us, words that have been said to us. And with the ever-increasing amount of words that are being poured out on social media, I think this is becoming an increasingly important issue for us to get right. How do we use our words? And how do we understand the power? What comes out of our mouths is a serious business. You know, the Bible says in the book of James that the tongue might be small. That's powerful, isn't it? A tiny spark. Or take a great ship, a tiny little rudder can set the whole course of that ship, set the direction of the ship. Yeah, our words are really powerful. Small, but powerful. And so the Bible has lots to say about our words and the way we use words, and we're going to take this one sentence that contains, it's simple, but it is life-transforming in how we view our words. Now this comes in the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is um, a book of wisdom, that is, how can we live rightly in God's world? How do we live a life that works well? How do we do good? How do we live a life that works And the central theme of the book of Proverbs is that the wise life, the right life, the good life starts with fear of the Lord. If you're going to be wise, you need to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That means you've got to get God in it. What does it mean to fear God? That sounds a bit weird to us in our our thinking. Well, what it means is you've got to get God in his rightful place. 
You've got to recognize who he is. You've got to recognize that he's the creator and we're the creature. God is big and I'm small. Right, this is what we do, okay? This is how we get it wrong. We flip that round and we say, I am big and God is small. That is how we naturally approach life. I'm big, I'm central, I'm the most important, and then there's God and God is useful sometimes and God is over there somewhere. That is pride. That is when we become puffed up with ourselves. Look at me, look at me, I'm the center of everything. And the Bible says that to fear God means you, you flip that round so that you start to say, no, God is big and I am small. You humble yourself. That's fearing God. God is big, I'm small. And when we think that we're big and God is small, that's when you end up in a place of folly. These trains are going to be fun. And when we get that wrong, when we're proud, and when we run into folly, we will find ourselves getting into all kinds of trouble. We'll find that life doesn't work properly. If we think that God is small, our lives won't work properly. And we'll find things just keep going wrong and crashing and No, wisdom starts when I humble myself before God and recognize who he is. And that's what this book of Proverbs is all about. It's about that, fear God. And what does that look like in practice? Well, Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, if you fear God, if you are humble, if you have a big view of God, then you will be gentle in your words. And what we've got to try and work out is why does fearing God lead to gentleness in our words? Or put it the other way, why does pride, I'm big, God is small, why will that lead to harsh words? You see, that's what it's all about, right? Pride, harsh. Humility, gentleness. So let's, let's dig into this together. And I just want to unpick this um, sentence for you. A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I want to do it in three contrasts. This contrast between gentle answer and harsh words, I want to see three things about that contrast and think about that together. And I hope this will be practical. Uh, I found this pretty convicting as I've prepared it. This is not easy stuff um, when we think about the way that we speak. But let's think about it together. And the first thing I want to say is that if we learn to speak like this, our words will be controlled, not wild. Controlled, not wild. So you you can imagine the difference between a wild horse and a horse that's under control. I wonder if our words, what are our words more like? A rampaging stallion that just destroys everything in its path, that just goes wherever it wants and says whatever it wants to do, full of pride that goes, I'm going to do whatever I want. Or a controlled power, but under control. You see, this nature that we have within us, this God is small and I am big nature, this pride, if we let it out, it is unleashed to cause so much damage. You see, the problem is not our words, right, actually. If you find you've got a quick temper, if you find you have words that are out of control, if you find that you often say harsh words, you have to understand that the problem is not actually your words. The problem is our heart, right? 
The problem is there's something going on in our hearts that we need to address. And all too often what we do is we go, oh, I should try and be a bit more patient. Oh, I should try and be a bit more gentle. Oh, I should try and be a bit more kind. Whereas actually we need to allow God to say, no, no, look, the, your words are showing you there's something wrong inside. There's a problem in the heart. See, the Bible speaks very clearly about what our hearts by nature are like. In fact, there's this um, amazing image in uh, the fourth chapter, in Genesis chapter 4, when Cain and Abel, the first two brothers ever born, and Abel offers this sacrifice and God is pleased, and Cain offers a sacrifice and God is not pleased, and Cain is like eaten up with jealousy at his brother. And God says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door It desires to have you, but you must master it. And in every single one of us, sin is crouching at our door and it desires to control. It desires to be unleashed. It's like a wild animal that's chomping that says, I just want to be unleashed. And gentleness is when you learn to control it. And harshness is when you let it off the lead. Sin is crouching at your door. You see, sometimes we say, don't you, um, we, we find it hardest when we're hungry or we're tired um, or we've had a bad day or things are going wrong and we say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry I snapped, I was hungry. No, you didn't snap because you were hungry. <laughs> Hunger is only shown what actually was inside. It's like, if I had a lemon, if I'd been organized enough, I'd have bought a lemon. Here's a, here's a lemon. You, you, can, you know what a lemon's like. Here's a lemon. It looks lovely. It's bright and jolly and yellow. Who doesn't love yellow? I mean, yellow is a great color. So here is a lovely, bright, jolly, yellow lemon. That's not as easy to say as it sounds. And it looks fine. And it does, you know, you know it's just there. It's fine. But what happens when you put it under pressure? What happens when things are, what about when you squeeze it? Actually, the bitter juice comes out. You see, it's when, it's when we're under pressure, when we're feeling the squeeze, when things are tough, when we're, un, when we're hungry or tired or whatever it might be, that actually things come out that most of the time we manage to kind of keep under control. And Proverbs 15, verse 1, we need to understand that gentleness is about learning to control. Gentleness is about control. Gentleness is not about being weak. You've probably heard me say this before. I say it a lot. I think it's important. Gentleness is absolutely not about being weak. Gentleness is about being strong and controlled. That is why... The pictures that you see um, that, that convey gentleness are often of someone who's very, very strong holding a tiny little baby. That is a picture of gentleness because it's strength under control. That's gentleness. And so if you can learn, if, and we'll get to how you do this by God's power, but if you can see that actually what What we're being called to is to get our words under control rather than just unleash them. And let's face it, all of us know what it's like when suddenly our words just come out. Something happens and we just unload, we unleash 
and we can say the harshest and the unkindest and the rudest and the most destructive things. They just pour out. And we need to understand that that lurks within all of us. And that comes from pride. Because actually, do you know what? Sometimes that feels quite good. Doesn't it? In the, I mean, it always feels bad afterwards. You feel rubbish afterwards. But in the moment, when you just go, you know what? Forget it. I'm done with holding the lead. You know what? Tongue, just go for it. There's a moment when it feels good. Because you're just unleashing. And that's because when pride gets control, when we think God is small and I am big and I have the right to say this. So gentle words are controlled, not wild. Secondly, gentle words are about loving, not winning. Loving, not winning. I was very struck as I studied this verse this week. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. There's a difference there, isn't there, between an answer and a word. You see that? Gentleness answers. A word, a, a harshness speaks, says whatever it wants to say. Gentleness listens. An answer requires us to be listening. A harsh word just gushes out whatever I thought, think. In fact, you've probably been, oh, maybe it's just me. The danger with sermons like this is I just give you an insight into my horrible heart, but you probably know it already. I guess we've all been in those conversations where I'm not really listening to what the other person is saying because I'm already trying to work out what I'm going to say next. I'm trying to work out how I can attack. And I'm trying to remember that thing that they did five, I'm sure they said something five years ago that I'm sure was wrong. And we're not listening. We're not listening. Gentleness stops. Gentleness is slow to speak and quick to listen. Gentleness says, let me hear what you're actually saying. Let me understand what you're thinking. Let me understand how you're feeling. Because gentleness in its great desire is to love. Harsh just wants to win, wants to prove that I am right. Love the, uh, gentleness doesn't care about being right. It cares about love. Again, I think this is where social media can be so destructive, can't it? I mean, I don't want to make, um, name names, but it seems fairly obvious to me that someone like Piers Morgan is a perfect example of someone who will just say what is destructive and hateful in order to get a reaction. And he is one example among many hundreds. And he's just doing what often goes on inside my heart. But isn't it easy on social media? Isn't it easy in an email or a text just to fire off a message, to fire off something, to, to, to reply to a comment on Facebook, just to snap back? Because we want to win. And you want to win when you're proud, right? You want to win when God is small and I'm big. You want to win when you think that it's all about you. But when you fear God, when God is big and I am small, well, then I'm ready to listen and to love. Do we see this? I hope this is making some sense. 
So gentle words are controlled, not wild. They are about loving, not winning. And thirdly, and this, I, I, I love this, gentle words are absorbent, not repellent. Absorbent, not repellent. You see, when you choose to answer someone who speaks to you harshly with gentleness, you are absorbing the wrong that they have done. So it's a bit like, look, when I, when I, um, you know, you spill, you spill some, some liquid or like milk all over the table, and you don't cry because there's no point crying over spilled milk, but it's, there's just milk all over the table. What you do is you're going to get the kitchen roll, right? The kitchen roll, and the kitchen roll adverts will all tell you how absorbent it is. This is the most absorbent kitchen roll in the whole world. And you're like, well, this is my moment. This is the moment when the kitchen roll can prove its worth. And you get the kitchen roll, you stuff on it, it sucks all the mess into it. And it's beautiful. It's absorbed all of the, the mess that was on the table. It's, it's gone. And then you chuck the kitchen roll away and look at the table. But what you need is absorbent, ultra-absorbent kitchen roll. Let me tell you the worst thing you could go and get. The worst thing in that moment would be to go and get your raincoat. Because if you get your raincoat, which is super repellent, and you start to wipe up the milk with your super repellent raincoat, what happens? You make it work. You just make, you spread the mess out. Here's a little bit of milk. Now it's all over the table. And it's so annoying. And sometimes you buy towels, particularly new towels, which is supposed to be absorbed. It's the point of a towel. And I've had towels, gone swimming with towels that just are not absorbent enough, as far as I can tell. They seem to repel the water. I'm like, Grr! Anyway. Gentle words are absorbent. By which I mean, when someone comes at you with something that is wrong, you say, I will absorb that. I will pay the price. I will take the cost. I will be willing to absorb that. Harsh words repel it. Harsh words say, how dare you speak to me like that? And they make the mess worse. And they, they spiral it out of control. And that's the difference. I wonder what our words do. I wonder whether our words absorb other people's wrong or whether we just mess it up and stir up more. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger and makes the mess even worse. I wonder what your words are like. I wonder how you feel your words are. There's, a, there's a, a stunning example of this, which I haven't really got... I was going to look at this with you, but I haven't really got time. I'll, here's some homework for you later. Um, if you read 1 Samuel 25, you'll read about one of the most brilliant women in the whole Bible, a lady called Abigail, who completely understood what this means. David, King David, is about to go and kill Nabal. Nabal's offended David, and David's going to kill Nabal. Nabal's name means fool. I mean, that's a clue. So David, Nabal, David, Nabal's offended him, David's going to do him in. 
And Abigail comes and stands in the middle and she, and she speaks such gentle words, beautiful, gentle words. And David, at the end of it all, says, um, in fact, I'll read you what he says because it's fantastic. This is what gentle words can do. In 1 Samuel 25, 1 Samuel 25, it says this. Um, it says, May you, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you to meet me today. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping my from bloodshed, for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord lives, the God of Israel, who has kept me from harming you, if you'd not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive. Her gentle words absorbed David's revenge, absorbed David's anger, and saved David from sin. I think it's a beautiful thing that our words could go around absorbing other people's anger and wrong and that we might then be able to respond in gentleness and kindness. Of course, all of this is impossibly hard, isn't it? You know, here we are sitting in a room. Most of us can think of words that we've said in the last 24 hours that we think, well, that wasn't very absorbent and that wasn't very controlled and that wasn't very loving. How do we do this? Well, actually, we only do this when we fear God. We only do this when we understand who God is. You see, who is the ultimate example of what this looks like? It's God himself. What is God's great answer? Listen to this, right? What is God's great answer to our rebellion against him? What was God's answer to our sin? Was it wild and unleashing all his fire bolts from heaven? How dare you? Was it to win? I'm going to prove to you that I'm stronger than you, little miserable humans. Was it to repel us? No, God's great answer to this world is the cross. God's great answer to this world is to send his son, Jesus. Jesus who controlled, who held back all of his strength in order to go to a cross to die for us. Jesus who went to a cross not to win, but to love us. Jesus who went to a cross as the ultimate place of absorbing, where he absorbed all of our wickedness and sin upon himself and was destroyed by God for us. You want to know God's great answer? That's his gentle answer. A gentle answer turns away wrath. That's Jesus. And so before we can ever be gentle in our words, before we can ever be controlled and loving and absorbent, before we can ever do that, we first need to know him. We need to fear God. God is big and his bigness is his love and the love is the cross and the cross is where we see gentleness on display for all to see. Gentleness. And then he says, let me teach you to be gentle. Let me give you my gentle spirit to make you gentle. Let me take your heart and transform it. Let me take your lips and give you gentleness. And I guess for most of us, these things then practically hit home, don't they? In a number of different areas. So just as I, as I finish, I, I want you to think about these things. Firstly, think about those that you live with. If you live on your own, 
Think about those that you spend time with. But particularly those that you live with. They can tend to be people that we are not very gentle with sometimes, right? Think about those that you work with in your workplace. Are you a person who is absorbent? Are you a person who's controlled and loving in your words? What about those that you're related to? Perhaps your parents. So easy, isn't it, to be harsh with our parents? So easy to just unleash on them because they have to love us. <laughs> they got, you know, it's sort of the point, isn't it? So I'm just going to unleash on them. Perhaps some of us feel really guilty about things we've said to our parents. Perhaps for some of us, it would be right for us to phone our parents after this sermon. And so I I want to say sorry for that thing I said to you when I was 13. (laughs) What about those in our church family? Are we going to be controlled and loving and absorbent in our church family where we're patient with each other? And what about those that you bump into randomly, who you don't know? but they happened to get onto the tube before you got off. Do they not know? Do they not understand that's not how we do things? And suddenly you find the bitterness of the lemon being squeezed out of you as you unleash. Perhaps if you're driving, perhaps if you're walking down the street, there's a tourist dawdling. Are we patient? I want us to pray. I want us to pray that we'd be a church family. Pray for each other. We'd be a church family where we say, please let our words be gentle. Please let our words be controlled, loving, absorbent. And perhaps some of us need to say sorry to others. Some of us need to love others. Some of us need to pray that God would help us in this area. So I'm going to lead us in prayer and then we're going to Worship God and sing them. Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who is so big and strong and glorious. And yet rather than just unleash all your anger on us, you have controlled love for us. Thank you that you sent Jesus to be the one who absorbs all of our sin. Rather than giving us what we deserve, instead he gives us love and absorbs the cost himself. Lord, we pray that as we experience that gentleness in our lives, that we would overflow that gentleness to one another. Please would the words we speak this week be gentle words. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.